This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to The Weekly. Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly by Retail Insider. I'm Lee Rivett, and I'm joined with the Editor-in-Chief of Retail Insider, Craig Patterson, to discuss this week's most read articles on retail-insider.com. We're currently recording on May the 28th, 2020, and this week's most popular articles either fell into one of two categories, COVID-19 reopening stories or COVID-19 closures, bankruptcies, says story, stories. So Craig, thanks for going through this with me to unpack some of these. Hello, everyone. Well, and I think the reopening stories we wanted to touch about first, because it was interesting because, well, they're happy stories, but a lot of the articles that we have are going through how those retailers are putting in steps to protect um, customers coming through as well as protect their workers that are are going to be interacting and selling product, right? So I think the most read was like the IKEA that was reopening as well as Nordstrom reopening. And then I think the article that you wrote that was popular through this whole reopening saga was Holt Renfrew. And I think they came with quite a bit, but do you want to talk about anything in the IKEA and Nordstrom world first before we actually move on to your article that's Holt Renfrew? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, IKEA, uh, I actually got a photo sent over to me by someone uh, recently, a few hours ago, that is. A big, long lineup to get into an IKEA store in southern Ontario. Uh, People are clearly excited about uh, uh, furniture retail. Also, there were some HomeSense stores that had big, long lineups. Uh, Dustin sent us a uh, a photo of that earlier as well today, too. So, um, we've seen those stores starting to reopen. So, it it seems like lineups are uh, uh, in vogue right now. (laughs) When I was looking at Blog TO's videos on their Instagram feed, and I think it was of the North York location, and that's in northern Toronto, I think, right? It was probably that one, oh, yeah. Yeah, and so when I was looking at the video, there's a lot of like physical distancing, very long lineups, and so on. So it's interesting when you take a look at our article where we had talked about the four locations that are opening, they listed out the things like physical distancing, sanitizing, all that kind of stuff. When we are starting to also look into the other popular article around Nordstrom, that's a very different retailer than Ikea. So I was just wondering if you saw any differences in like what was being done for protecting customers and workers in Ikea versus Nordstrom. Yeah, well, I'm having a look here and uh, they've got some good signage, for example. They sent a bunch of photos over um, and they've got decals on the ground. Uh, they've got some pretty darn good plexiglass uh, barriers between the cashiers and the uh, the shoppers, uh, far more than I've seen pretty much anywhere else. Uh, the signage is, is quite cute. They all have little winking happy faces on them. Maybe not every single one, but quite a few of them. So, And is Holt Renfrew doing something similar to Nordstrom? Because I know that you wrote the article for Holt Renfrew's reopening. So tell us a little bit about them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, that was interesting because they gave us a really good uh, chunk of information on that. And by the way, Holt Renfrew has a new uh, president and CEO, which is interesting too. We, we yes, uh, I, I, wrote, yeah. I wrote about that. Um, you know, Mar- Mario Grasso uh, is gone. He's moving back to uh, the United States. Uh, wish him well. Hope, hope, hope everything's going well there with him and his family. Um, new person coming in, very uh, digital savvy from Lane Crawford. Uh, it's a department store based in Hong Kong, I believe, which is pretty much China as of now, mm. uh, with very little distinction. <laughs> uh, and um, interestingly enough, uh, guess who else came from? Lane Crawford back to Canada to uh, turn Ooh. a retail environment around about a decade no. ago. More bon- Bonnie Brooks. <gasps> oh my gosh, I haven't heard that name for a while. Yeah, I know, I know. She's actually running Chico's now. It's an American women's uh, fashion uh, retailer. 
Well, I heard it, but of course, I'm not their key demographic. So, yes. yeah. And they don't have them in BC. Yeah. No, I mean, they were no. supposed to do a national expansion across Canada. They've only got four or five stores and they're all mm. in the greater Toronto area, I believe. Yeah. In Southern Ontario, I think. But yeah, but let's get into the COVID-19 reopening because they had shared so much information with us for a whole run through. So what's the details on that, Craig? So whole Renfrew laid out uh, an excellent uh, overall view of what they're doing in terms of uh, bringing customers back into the stores. I visited uh, the whole Renfrew store in Bloor Street on Saturday, and there were people in there shopping. Cool. And what were the areas that they broke out that they shared with us? Um, the areas that they broken this down into is housekeeping, hygiene, and in-store circulation, as well as new services. So... They're saying they've got rigorous sanitization in the stores, as well as corporate offices and distribution center. And how would this be different than the regular day-to-day cleaning that was happening pre-COVID-19? Um, they're saying prior to reopening, each store will undergo a deep cleaning in all front and back of house areas. Uh, so they're going to be cleaning those stores like crazy. Not that they were dirty before. They're usually in very good condition. Yeah, yeah I know. I thought. Except for the Edmonton one, but that oh, was it's yeah. closed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably really dirty. <laughs> it was probably. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder what it's like when they're being empty. No. Unless they've started the construction for what's going to be replacing it. Yeah. Um, they're saying that they're going to be cleaning rails, railing, uh, railings and door handles and washrooms and fitting rooms uh, after each use. Uh, additional porter staffing will be hired for all stores. Uh, and that was housekeeping. So how is that different than their second pillar or idea of uh, hygiene? They're, uh, they have hand sanitizer. So when you go to the front door uh, of a Holt Renfrew store, um, you have to sanitize your hands. That's the rule. What I found interesting, though, is you actually have to press down on the sanitizer. So oh. it's not like an automatic squirt thing like you see in some places. Yeah, that's um, that I found interesting because you actually have to touch the thing, too. But I guess you're sanitizing your hands afterwards. But uh, yeah. Yeah. that I found interesting. Yeah. Um, no, totally. You can yeah. get masks and disposable gloves. Uh, I was wearing a mask, so I didn't have to ask for one. Um, I didn't wear gloves. Um, it was, I'm trying to remember what I was wearing that day. It was a hot day and I didn't wear gloves. <gasps> ah, well, and I was wondering too, how are they dealing with like, um, like lipstick um, samples and stuff in the beauty counters? And this is interesting as well. And this, I experienced this firsthand. Um, not that I'm a beauty shopper, but um, uh, they're saying the beauty services are touchless. So they don't have the samples there. Um, with the Chanel uh, lipstick, you could put it on your wrist to see if that was the color that you'd want uh, but you can't put it on your lips and they clean it after each single time uh, I guess and this is actually more of a Chanel thing than a whole Renfrew thing because it's actually a Chanel boutique mm-hmm. um, when I know that there was another pillar or area that they called recirculation so what does that mean because for me recirculation is air conditioning air movement <laughs> so what does that mean to uh, Holt Renfrew yeah no it's sort of how to get around so they've got uh, arrows here and there not that many that I saw actually but they've got Mm. Uh, decals on the ground saying stand a certain distance apart. Um, <laughs> that reminds me of Ikea so bad. And I just read an article on, uh, there was uh, some guy that went into one of these recently opened, reopened Ikeas and they started putting their own arrows pointing different directions, and which is not so good during a post-COVID-19 reopening era. So uh, hopefully they didn't have these big blue and yellow arrows. <laughs> like It's Ikea. right. But there wasn't really, I mean, it wasn't that common in terms of they weren't telling you to walk this way or whatever and okay. I mean, with the main floor it's almost completely finished in terms of its renovation and oh, okay. um walking around i mean i, I think it kind of lends itself to going in one direction but not necessarily i mean one could go one way or the other i mean the store wasn't crowded enough that there were any real concerns to be honest uh 
getting too close to people, except the Dior boutique, interestingly enough, had a lineup to get in. So, mm -hmm. And other than the physical distancing, was there any other areas that Holt Renfrew was implementing as well? Um, customer service options, they've still got curbside pickup at valet stations on Bloor Street. That's uh, a bit challenging because I think the valet is over at the Manulife Center because um, they're still ripping the facade apart and that should be done at some point. So they're coming somewhat close to finishing yeah. that. Well, and uh, just to kind of wrap up this reopening section before we move on to the sad news closing stories, um, is this kind of generally what retailers are going to be doing going forward? Really what they're trying to do is um, create, you know, safety protocols. They're trying to make the consumer feel comfortable. They don't want people catching COVID-19 in their stores, of course. So uh, again, we're seeing this, you know, retailers uh, all over the place are doing this big and small. Um, when mall retailers uh, open in Ontario, it'll be the same thing. Um, in places like British Columbia, you know, the shopping centers have opened the enclosed ones and uh, Richie Poe, who we know, of course, uh, was in there and uh, was taking photos and, and, and said that, you know, things are a bit different, that people are a little more spaced out. There's uh, There are decals on the, on the ground and, um, it's a bit of a new normal, I guess yeah. you would say. Well, and moving into the sad part of the podcast, we had a number of closing announcements that were very well read. Um, this would be from uh, retailers that were announcing permanent shuttering of locations to uh, even going and obtaining bankruptcy protection and creditor protection. So right off the top, the most read was L Brands permanently shuttering 13 Victoria's Secret locations, which for me, we had a very popular article back in February where they already were closing things like Market Mall and Sherway Gardens and so on. So for me, looking at the private equity firm Sycamore Partners that was going to go through and buy them or acquire them, a uh, 55% stake. And then now that COVID-19 hit and they pulled out, that just seems to have turned into quite the story. So tell us a bit about that because it was very well read, Greg. That's right. Yeah. I mean, L Brands was trying to sell Victoria's Secret. I actually listened yeah. to an earnings call. I think it was about an hour long. And uh, I was just mm. trying to confirm the 13 locations that were going to be closing. So I wanted to hear it from the big wigs. And, and I listened to that. It was actually quite educational. Um, funny enough, they didn't actually talk about that in the recording. It was elsewhere. But uh, um, one, well, one of many things I think that's interesting is uh, we were reporting uh, earlier on this year before all these stores started closing that Victoria's Secret was actually already closing, uh, announcing these 13 more locations uh, are closing. The company has uh, 38 stores in Canada. So in other words, about 35% of the fleet uh, in Canada uh, is to be uh, closed permanently. Yeah. And while the February article had, what, eight locations that were being closed and now they're announcing 13. So are they just warming up or is this like the final end of the road announcements of uh, stores that are going to be closing? I, I don't know. I think there could be Possibly more. I mean, I think this is sort of a phase one type of situation. It really depends uh, what stores were making money. Um, how, you know, how are they going to go about closing this, these stores in terms of leases? Uh, I know that in the first round of closures before this all happened, uh, some just kind of abandoned space type of thing, but I'm sure there was yeah. a story in behind it. So, And they also own Bath and Body Works and uh, they're only closing one store in Canada. So they're closing mm. 51, yeah. I think, everywhere, and uh, which probably would be the United States, and and one here. So they're they're a neat store. I've actually got uh, a hand sanitizer here in my desk from Bath and Body Works. Uh, it smells really nice. My sister gave it uh -huh. to me. <laughs> well, Dad, there, this is not a casualty of COVID nineteen, or at least it could be just exasperated. But they started down this road of closing locations before COVID nineteen happened. So it's almost like COVID nineteen. If you're going to be closing your doors anyhow for two months 
months or more with COVID-19, then it's just convenient to just leave the doors closed and maybe move product around to the other locations. So is this a similar story that's going to be playing out, do you think, for other retailers that like they were already closing and this is just the final nail? It depends. I mean, I'm not sure what the lease terms were and how they're doing this. Yeah, I mean, some of them may reopen may reopen temporarily so that they can clear some product out on sale or they'll just ship it to other stores. So I'm actually not sure what they're planning on doing with that. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, in some cases, some retailers just are not reopening, uh, which is kind of unfortunate. Yeah. And red restaurants. Well, and when I take a look at the other really popular closing articles, um, Stokes was very well read. And I never heard of them being from Western Canada. So for me, I had to read through the article because I wanted to know what was so popular. So it's interesting because this has been around for quite some time. It looks like it's been a little bit more of a Canadian icon for like Eastern Canada, but it's done like nail in the coffin for this retailer. Yeah, and they're closing, I think, 40 stores of um, 100 and something locations. Oh, I can't just 40. Is, okay. So, yeah, so I thought they were just closing everything. But yeah, like it's a kitchen gadget store. Never really seen that before. Yeah. So And it's a shame. I mean, um, I've been yeah. to a few Stokes stores. Uh, I got my mom a garlic press there a while ago in, uh, when I was in Edmonton. So, uh, mm. you know, they're, they're a neat store. They're kind of a, a gadget store. They've got things in there. They're about, you know, they run 1,500 to 2,000 square feet. I think that's kind of how they are. So they're not like gigantic stores. But there's right. a lot of competition there in that space. I mean, people can order that stuff online. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they can go to Ikea and other retailers as well. So, you know, it's, it's a very competitive mm. market. But uh, from what I remember, Stokes, you know, especially when they have a sale, you, you can get some really good stuff in there. So when I take a look at Western Canada, when I think of kitchen gadgets, I think of like Williams and Sonoma, which of course they didn't necessarily have great news in 2019 either, but also like Cookworks, Cook Culture is what is very popular here in Vancouver as well. And like I've taken cook like classes from them as well. So like Yeah, and you know what the big one is here, at least mm-hmm. in the greater Toronto area, and I'm not sure if they're beyond, they probably are. Mm-hmm. It's called Kitchen Stuff Plus. It was well. founded in uh Actually, I think it was founded just outside of Toronto, and it was—I mm. think it was like a almost like a farmers market stall, and it turned into a retail chain. And there was a whole oh, bunch good. of them, and you go in there and you get inexpensive uh, kitchen-related stuff and uh, other categories too. So um, mm. I've got one not too far from where I live, and uh, mm. pop in there the odd time if I need kitchen stuff. I think the last time I went in there though was before COVID nineteen. I'm mm. assuming probably the store has opened again. I just haven't walked by there. Mm. Yeah. And I think our second last popular article that we wanted to talk about is to do with Reitman's filing for and obtaining bankruptcy protection. So I know about this. It's a big Canadian icon retailer, but for myself, like I, I was unaware that RW and co is part of that umbrella. Same thing with um, Pennington's and additional and stuff. We've had articles about them over the years, but yeah. So like for myself, I take a look at uh, like Victoria's secret and they're like, downsizing, right-sizing, and there's a whole bunch of stuff going on there. Like, is this the same kind of story that's going on for Reitman's as well? I hope. I mean, the difference, again, is the filing. But, uh, uh, you know, Reitman's does want to come back, I think, leaner and a bit smaller. Um, I, I Hopefully that they're able to make it in that respect. Right. Not, not all retailers will survive a bankruptcy filing, right? Uh, I, I think it would be very sad. I think that Reitman's is 94 years old, I believe, yeah. if, if I've got my numbers right. And again, I mean, one of the biggest expenses retailers will have, in some cases, the biggest expense is the rent on the space. So, 
Uh, we're seeing all kinds of stores close. Same thing when we reported on Bentley Leathers. Uh, you know, they reduced their store count by almost 90. Uh, and, and who knows what the future holds for the for that company now. But uh, Fair. Well, and just coming back to Reitman's here, when I take a look at that legacy brand, like Stokes was also a legacy brand that's now biting the dust. But looking to our last popular article, which was Nando's, that's a restaurant that's now permanently closing 21 store locations. So like for myself, since I just came from Johanna, in January. I'm sad to hear that because it's a South African chain that has come here, right? So I think it was 1994. So it's not as long legacy as like uh, the Reitmans and Stokes, but but still, like, I mean, there's a mixture of corporately owned and franchise locations that they're looking to right size. So I was kind of sad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that, you know, the chain had been struggling a little bit because, uh, I mean, Nando's has some good chicken. I gotta they say, yeah. <laughs> when, I lived, when I lived in Vancouver, I used to go to the one on Davies Street uh, quite often, and yeah, uh, that was delicious. Mm. I kind of, I kind of could go for that right now. There's oh, there is a Nando's sort of near where I live, but it's kind of what's well, probably not open right now, but on down on Bay Street. So um, I, I think that in the uh, coming weeks, we'll probably see some more uh, uh, retailers uh, filing for bankruptcy protection. Um, it, it looks like there are still some struggles. Uh, I'm working with a, a bit of a task force that's tracking what's happening and, and hopefully going to be able to um, assist with, uh, you know, the economy in the future that uh, will make things better. Um, there are still challenges. We've talked to some small retailers uh, recently who have said that uh, uh, they're not sure if they're just going to throw in the towel, uh, which is really quite sad to hear. Oh, totally. uh, yeah. So some of them, you know, were actually quite upset and uh, they're, they're looking at the business now and they're looking at it in the future and they're saying, well, you know, what happens? Uh, they have to, you know, buy stock for the fall, for example, say for a certain retail concept. Um, what happens if there's a second wave of this pandemic? What happens yeah. if there's more store closures? There's really a lot of uncertainty right now. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's really too bad. Um, we, uncertainty is, you know, not a, not a great thing for a lot of people at the best of times. And, and right now we're, we're looking at, you know, what's going to happen in October when, you know, typically we get colds and flus. Uh, uh, this is going to create a heightened level of anxiety. I, I'm, I'm a bit worried about it. Uh, yeah. And I think that is a very real thing. And, and unfortunately, I think that's a wrap, Craig. So thanks for going through the popular content for the last week. And uh, I just wanted to remind everyone that uh, we do have an email newsletter that you can subscribe to that goes out every morning. So if you want that, a link to the Canadian news from around the web that we've curated from the previous day, as well as links to our exclusive published articles from Retail Insider, you can go to our website, retail-insider.com, and find the subscribe link area towards the bottom and you can get that email into your inbox every morning so thank you for listening to this podcast please do subscribe to be notified when new episodes are published and also if you think that this uh, episode was pretty good uh, if you could give us a review that would be very much appreciated at your favorite podcast provider so thanks again everyone and we will talk to you next week yes thank you so much everyone <laughs> <laughs>